So we're, we're talking today, we're studying the subject of passion. We've been on this for a little while, and the passionate stand out in life. There's something different about being passionate. I think a, a real good example is uh, something that happened up at the football game actually was in Texas yesterday, but did anybody hear about uh, Coach Prime and CU, all the things that happened there? I mean, last year they had two receivers the whole year that got 100 yards during the whole season, a 100-yard game during the whole season. Yesterday they had four receivers that had 100 yards. They had a quarterback who set the record for the school, over 500 passing yards. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, came in with a passion. I don't know if he's the greatest coach, but I know when you listen to him, he is a passionate person, and he's excited. I love the fact that he's excited about Jesus. When they interviewed him after the game, after they'd upset, you know, TCU, after they had upset, the first thing he said is, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad. God's so good. I'm so blessed. Oh, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. The first thing he said on national TV everywhere, it's in Fox Sports, Fox News, it's all over. ESPN, Sports Illustrated, you look anywhere, that's where those quotes are. Thank God. Passion, a team that won one game last year, defeated a ranked team. The passionate in life stand out. And you and I are called to be passionate. And like I said earlier, I admit it, I've been very transparent with you. I've let some of my passion wane. Some things in life happen, you know, especially this last year, our, our little granddaughter, all that happened. And I, I've let some passion wane. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me. And I ask you to forgive me. Now I believe that you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for letting your passion wane too. Oh, my passion's just as good. All right, praise the Lord. Well, then you be that spark. You be the one. You be the one. Iron sharpens iron. You be the one to encourage the rest of us. You be the one to help drag us along when our passion is waning a little bit instead of us having to drag every... Did I just say that? No, I probably didn't, did I? Come on now. Come on, we don't come to church always. And I love to preach about all that God's done for us. And we're going to talk about that some today. But you and I have a part to play too. You and I must have passion. You and I must have our right priorities. You and I must focus on the right things. You and I must say, all right, God, here I am. My life is not my own. I'm not just going to do what I feel like doing. I'm not just going to do what I, my flesh wants to do. I'm going to do, God, what you asked me to do so we've been asking this question what if we had just a little bit more passion and you can see like I mentioned Deion Sanders he came in and changed that whole program because he came in with a lot more passion but what if we had a little more passion in life could a lot be accomplished without with a little bit more I mean what about in our marriage if we were just tried just a little bit harder what about in our work if we were just a little more passionate where we showed up you know a little earlier gave that little bit extra what about with our children you know if we were just a little bit more passionate about bringing them up and the nurture and admonition of the lord not just turn the blind eyes sometimes when we go i'm tired and i know they're doing wrong and but i've told them a hundred times and i'm just you know it's, well that's the trouble you've told them a hundred times little child training tip there what if we were more passionate, and some people are. I mean, I've mentioned this. I have nieces and nephews. They are passionate about running. That was never one of my things because some people run smooth. I run rough. I never, I never developed, I never enjoyed it enough 
to work at it enough to develop the skill. If you have, that's great, that's wonderful, God bless you. But they're so passionate about running, they run races that are 100 miles. And it's not a relay race, they're running 100 miles. Wow, passion, a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about doing something. In Mark 12, verses 28 through 31, in the Message Translation, one of the religion scholars, one of the know-it-all Christian smart type people came to Jesus and they came up and they said, hearing the lively exchanges of questions and answers, seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, he put in this question. Which is most important of all the commandments? Now, that sounds like a pretty good question, right? I mean, they had the Ten Commandments, right? Jesus said, the first in importance is this. Listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Not just... Yeah, Jesus, he's my fire escape. Thank God. I, I prayed the prayer. Get off my back, preacher. Come on. He says, love the Lord your God with all your passion. With all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second. Love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. Actually, these two commandments cover all the Ten Commandments. Love God with everything you have. Put Him first. You want your marriage to be a great marriage? Put Jesus first in your marriage. Yes. Thank you for enthusiasm. Okay. What are your passions? What is it that lights your fire? I can probably spot some of your passions if I had an opportunity to look at your bank account because you will spend money on things that are your passion. Come on, is that true? And you'll fight for things. You'll fight. If, if you're passionate about your marriage, passionate about raising those kids, you'll fight for your kids. You'll fight to make sure they do right. You'll fight to make sure they're protected. Your marriage, if you're passionate, you'll fight for that. Your, your business, you'll fight for your business if you're truly passionate about it. Come on. Let's just go one step further. If we're going to be passionate about this church, and we are, we're going to have to do some fighting for this church too. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I appreciate that. Hallelujah. It's too easy to give up. It's too easy to quit on something. Maybe your health, whatever it is, if you're not passionate about it. We say it around here. Are you ready? We were born for more. Smile and say it again. We were born for more. One more. We were born for more. And think about this. You and I have the greatest message there ever was, there ever will be. God so loved the world that He gave Jesus. Jesus came. God was passionate about redeeming mankind. And Jesus was passionate enough to go to the cross and die for you and for me and to pay the total price for us. We have an amazing message. Well, people don't want to hear that message. I believe they do. I believe people do want to hear that. We have an amazing message that, that their past, God's not holding their past against them. God's not angry at them. God's forgiven each one of us completely by the blood. And we said it last week, and especially if God's people will have a little bit of passion or a lot of passion, God's people are an unstoppable force. Yes. You say, no, they're not. The churches are weak and things aren't happening. And well, just... Read the end of the Bible. That's right. 
read the back of the book. And you say, well, and, and all through history, I mean, you know, God's people, there's been ups and downs. That's just human nature. That's just how things go. But God's people, I've read the end and I know we win. I know we win. So I truly believe, I believe even now, and I believe we need to be uh, very, very open about our faith. I, need, I believe we need to be very transparent about our faith. And I believe we need to be where we're not afraid to pray for people, where, where people are going through things and people say, oh, yeah, I'm just going through this problem. Well, you don't go, oh, man, that, that's too bad. You know, it stinks to be you. Where we don't do that, but we go, can I just pray for you? Hardly ever when I ask someone, have I been turned down? I have been turned down sometimes, but not very often. Almost anyone will take a prayer. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. I've said this many times, but just go, Lord, you know, help them right now, strengthen them. Lord, just show yourself real, whatever's going on, and you don't have to know all the details. That's sometimes people, they're just nosies why they want to know all the details. God knows all the details, and you and I don't necessarily have to, Right? I said, you and I don't have to know all the details for us to be able to pray and God to answer. If people want to share details, fine. Sometimes it's easier to pray not knowing all the details. That's my experience anyway. But don't be afraid to step out. Just, Lord, pray for them. Show yourself real. Show yourself strong. Show yourself how much you love them. Show, show how much that you love them in Jesus' name. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. The New Living says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So we can do. Now many times and most of the times we focus on, because I love it and because that's what helps me a lot, God's masterpiece. Because the devil tells you, well, you're not very good or, you know, you're not as good as brother do or whatever. You know, the devil tells you all kinds of things. Condemnation, whatever, right? But we are God's masterpiece. One translation, we always say it says God's work of art. But He has things planned for us. One of the greatest compliments someone can give you is there's something different about you. Not like, man, you're weird. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes people are proud of their weirdness. And we say this, most weird Christians, they were weird before they became a Christian, so you can't blame Christianity. Right? It's not their relationship with Jesus that made them weird. They're already weird. But something different, something, something different as a child of God. We don't respond the way some other people would respond. We can smile when the storm's on. Maybe we forgive when you don't feel like it. No, we do. We forgive whether we feel like it or not, don't we? So I want to read a story, and, and I think you'll, uh, you're familiar. In the book of Daniel, we'll have it up here if you want to look in your Bible. That's, <coughs> excuse me, that's a good thing. The book of Daniel, chapter 5. Daniel and his buddies, they were taken captive and led away. And, you know, one thing about Daniel, you can read all through the book of Daniel, there was something different about yeah. this man. Something special about him. You know, in the beginning, they were taken as slaves, and, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, the king, they were just offering them gruel, kind of. I mean, you know, it wasn't good. 
<coughs> excuse me. So they, were, they weren't doing well physically, all of God's people. But the king, he was offering sacrifices of this food to his gods, and then he would offer it to Daniel and these guys. And Daniel said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to do, but he was like, I'm sure his stomach was going, yeah, look at that. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that steak laying there and they're feeding you cream of wheat every day, you know, or whatever. He's like, no, I'm not going to compromise. So we understand when you take a stand for Jesus, you, you know, sometimes I'll just say it this way. There's always going to be opportunities for you to compromise. Daniel didn't. There was something special about him. So, I mean, and God used him to interpret dreams and different things. We're not going to get into too much of the story. But I want to look just at this story in Daniel 5, if you found it, beginning in verse 13. Then Daniel was brought before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is the one of the captives from Judah, whom my father, the king, brought from Judah? Notice this. He said, I have heard of you. Well, he was just a slave. But he said, I've heard of you. You know, when your big boss comes into town from out of state or whatever, and, and he was walking through the plant, walking through, and he goes, what's your name? Oh, I'm John Smith. You know, I've heard of you. Come on. You're the one that had that idea that saved us all that money. Or you're the one we've been talking about promoting to foreman here. Come on, is that right? He said, I've heard of you. What did he heard? That the Spirit of God is in you. Wow. What a great thing to hear. What a great thing to be spoken about any one of us. That God lives in you. And that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck, and you shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, let's stop and explain that just a little bit. King Belshazzar had a party for a thousand of his closest friends. That's a big party, wasn't it? And they, he, his, his daddy... King Nebuchadnezzar had taken the gold vessels from the temple. And, and they were partying, uh, Belshazzar was partying with that. Now Nebuchadnezzar, you remember he's the one that built that big 90 foot tall pure gold statue of himself? I mean, you talk about an ego problem. Nebuchadnezzar, I think, had it. And he said, I'm God and everybody bows before me. And uh, guess what? Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind for a few years. And it says, if you read it, he was out, he, he was out like a cow. He ate grass in the field. He'd lost his mind. He'd gone crazy because he came against the things of God. And sometimes you go, well, that person and I'm going to call judgment on them. And No, no, you know, their path, they're choosing their path. And we love them and we pray for them space to repent. And we pray for them that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. But you can't make someone do right. You cannot. I believe if we pray and I believe, you know, if their heart is open to God at all, that God can reach them. But you and I can't make them. All right. 
So Nebuchadnezzar, he's out eating grass. So that meant his son, Belshazzar, he was in charge. And he was doing the same thing. He was partying with these buddies and these gold vessels and all this. And what happened? While he was partying, a hand showed up. I mean, just a hand. And a thousand, he and a thousand of his friends saw this. And a hand wrote on the wall. And what did it say? It says, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Wow. So it was written there and they couldn't understand. So they called in Daniel and Daniel interpreted that. He said, and, and that's kind of a hard thing. Can you imagine Daniel standing before the king? And the king says, you know what? Uh, I'm second in command because Nebuchadnezzar, he's still alive. So he's number one still, even though he's out eating grass. I'm number two. I'll make you number three if you can tell me what this says. And can you imagine Daniel looked at that and he went, hmm. And the king's there. Do you know what it says? Uh, maybe. Um, he's thinking, I'm going to lose my head. Instead of a gold chain around his neck, they're going to cut my head off. But there was something different about Daniel. He was serving God. It did not matter to him. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do here. So he said, you've been weighed in the balance. You've been found wanting. You're going to lose this entire kingdom. Can you imagine him, all of his friends there, the king? And Daniel just, just told him, you're going to lose everything. Well, the truth of it is, that very night, Belshazzar was killed. It didn't take long for judgment to fall. And Darius the Mede took over. So let's read on in Daniel 6, beginning in verse 1. And it pleased Darius. Now understand this. The king who made all those promises, he died that very night. Have you ever noticed? We've looked at some other stories like that. It seems like, you know, thrown in the pit by his brothers and then promoted. And, you know, we just read that story a few weeks ago. <laughs> The king who made all the promises was gone. And sometimes you think, my opportunity for promotion, it just left when my boss retired or whatever. No, here the new guy came in and what did he do? It pleased Darius to serve the king. 120 satraps that were like governors to be the whole of the kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one of the three over the whole nation. Did you get that? that the satraps might give account to them so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself among the other, above the other governors and satraps. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. He was promoted. He had favor. And let me just help you with favor a little bit. We need to study favor again. But one thing about favor is if you will show up after you've showered, put a smile on, brush your teeth, show up on time, do what you're told to do. In fact, show up early, stay a little late, 
Don't think about how much time you can take off, but think about how much you can be a blessing that day. Because remember, we do our work as under the Lord, right? right? That person with an excellent spirit. And I'll be honest, you know, there's been times in my life that sometimes I've done things with more excellence and sometimes not as much excellence. Have you ever just hit coast? Or have you ever put it in a slower gear, maybe? Because for whatever variety of reasons, right? And that's the ebb and flow of life. There are those times. You cannot go pedal to the metal all the time. You know what will happen is, is we'll be doing your funeral, and I don't want to do your funeral. Come on. You cannot go, but we can serve Jesus wholeheartedly. We can be excited. We can love God. We can love people. We can have a smile on our face. But, you know, um, that person with an excellent spirit. So I've got just five things I want to talk about real quickly here. Let's look at them. Number one, the passionate. The passionate. And these aren't new to many of you, but I think it's time for a review. All right? That's why... uh, you know, we let summer get by. It's like, all right, I know we need to do some things, but, uh, you know, all right, so it's September. And so summer's over, vacations are over, kids are back in school, right? Time to get back into some good habits, back into some good routines, okay? The passionate, we think differently. You must think differently. And there are times that I understand, you know, uh, Sometimes our thinking, it's, it's uh, clouded, and, and the Bible talks about in Proverbs, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. But sometimes uh, the counselors are wrong and Jesus is right, right? In other words, the, the word's always true. The passionate think differently. Daniel didn't compromise. He didn't take the easy way. He didn't say, well, yeah, I know, and I don't know, King, it's a little fuzzy, and maybe something about, you know, there's going to be a transition of power sometime or something. I mean, you know, and just, uh, I don't know, don't worry about it. No, he looked at the king, and he said, you're going to lose everything because you've come against God. We make that conscious choice every day to think, what does the Bible say? What does God say about this? Change your thinking and you change your life. Now, as a Christian and as a faith camp, sometimes it's like, you know, well, if, if you even admit that you have a doubt or you even admit you're going through something or some people, they're quick to jump on you like, well, well you know. And <laughs> I remember... Many years ago, there was someone, and we just started the church, and there was like a 40,000-square-foot building, you know, that they wanted 4 or $5 million for, and uh, this one person that came to the church, and, and uh, sweet lady, she's in heaven now, but she came, and she's like, you know, well, we need to just buy that. And I'm like, one, two, three, four, five. Um, you know, uh, you're retired. Um, okay, I would love to buy that, right? Y'all know where I'm going with the story here. She's like, where's your faith? And I'm, I, you know, I'm like, 
Yeah, I, but I don't have faith for that. I don't. I don't. Hallelujah. So, I, because we think differently, that doesn't mean we just stick our hand in the sand and we go, oh, well, you know, I don't know, and God, and no, you know, and no. I, I've known people that it's done that. Uh, it's like, you know, well, the Lord told me to quit my job and just sit here and do nothing, and, you know, and we're helping them. We're giving them food so the kids don't starve. And No, that's not right. We think differently. We think in line with the Word of God. Romans 12 and verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not conformed to the world. We endeavor. We renew our mind, don't we? We think like God. Thomas Edison, I've got a picture of him here. He was an amazing man. And I know in America they've changed the light bulbs, the incandescent bulbs that he worked on. But he worked on the storage battery and talking movies and more than a thousand other inventions. Edison was a man of passion who refused to be discouraged. His attitude affected all those around him. I've told this story before, but I just think it's so cool. On a freezing night in December 1914, unfruitful experiments on the storage battery he'd been developing for 10 years. He'd been working on this for 10 years. Do you and I have the passion? To keep working on something for 10 years? That has, I mean, how many times do you think he did it wrong over those 10 years and did not find success? And that's the thing, you cannot be afraid of failure if you're going to have success. On that night, spontaneous combustion broke out in the film room. Within minutes, all of his plant was burning. Fire companies from eight surrounding towns arrived, but the heat was so intense, the water pressure so low, all attempts to douse the roaring fire were futile. Edison's son was searching frantically for his father, wondering, was he safe? With everything he owned, with all of his assets being destroyed, destroyed would he be broken? Edison's son saw his father running towards him, and he shouted to him, Where's mom? Go get her. Listen to this. Tell her to hurry up and bring all her friends. They'll never see another fire like this again. <laughs> I love that story. Don't you? Early the next morning, the fire was barely under control. He said, We're rebuilding. He said, Where are you going to get the money? Well, I don't know, but somehow we're going to do it. Passion can cause us to dream bigger, and it makes the impossible possible. Praise God. Praise God. Let's hurry. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. We're talking about thinking differently. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. The Lord spoke this to me, and I admit to you I'm working on it. He said, if you ever see yourself the way I see you, you'll be unstoppable. If you ever see yourself, that tells me that I didn't see myself. And that tells me that you and I, we still don't see ourselves exactly like God sees us. We're growing. Say, I'm growing. I'm growing. Praise the Lord. The thoughts. We think different. I believe it was Joyce Meyer where I heard it. I don't know where she got it. But she said, our inner conversation will become our outward demonstration. And where the mind goes, the man follows. I know. 
Our minds can get off here, get off there. These thoughts, what about this or that? That's when we go, okay, I'm going to bring it back into what Jesus says. I'm going to bring it back into what He's promised. So number one, those with passion to make a difference in life, we think differently. You must think differently. Number two, you must talk differently. Talk differently. You can hear when someone is excited about it. And, and listen, there's times, you know, we're all tired or we're all different things. But I'm talking about our general direction. <clears throat> we must have that passion. When we talk about Jesus, do we get excited? Do we get enthused? Do we just go, well, yeah, you know, Jesus, uh, yeah, he saved me and it's great. Him and I, you know, we're buds. Come on. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 13, it's written. Paul said, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore we speak. I believe, just like I mentioned about Deion Sanders, one person with passion can change whatever they're a part of. I believe the church of the living God, with passion, we can change our neighborhood. We can change this state, this city. This state's been going the wrong direction. If you haven't noticed, it's been going the wrong direction. I believe God's people are the only thing that can and will change. Right? The most important thing while we're... You know, the most important thing you can do to your children... You train them to obey when they're young. That way they learn to obey the voice of the Lord when they grow up. The most important thing you can do is not the things you buy them. Now you need to provide for them. You need to take care of them. Right? They need to be, you know, not going without, whatever. But the most important thing you can do for them is to put a love for God a love for Jesus in their heart. And you teach them to serve Jesus wholeheartedly. That is the most important thing. Well, no, pastor, it's an education. I'm for education. The most important thing you can do to your children, for your children. Say, well, my kids are grown. It's not too late. You pray for your kids. You be an example to your kids. I don't care if your kids are 50 years old. My mom is still a a great example to me. I'm thankful for her. Praise God. So we talk differently. Talk the Word. So think differently. Talk differently. Can you guess what the next one might be? There you go. Come on up here. We'll let you finish it. She's right. I mean, our actions are different. I told you. This is, we've talked about some of these things before. Our actions, are we, the the things we're truly passionate about, our actions are going to be different. The spirit of faith will cause us to have boldness. I believe that it was a spirit of faith and, and a passion for doing right, a passion for God that caused Daniel to stand up to that man and say, your kingdom's over. You can put a gold neck on my a gold chain around my neck. I don't know how long I'll have it, but uh, you know, you know, your kingdom's over. You've defied God. Boldness, Romans twelve, beginning verse eleven. 
said, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in the flame. Remember this verse? This is the verse we started with four weeks ago. Be servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. In other words, how can you show the love of God to someone else? Well, they should be showing the love of God to me. I agree, they should. But how can you show it? You know, there's only one person you can control. And that's you. That's why around here, we're passionate about loving Jesus. We say it all the time. We're passionate about loving Jesus. We're passionate about loving our spouse and our family. And we choose to be passionate about loving others. Hallelujah. It's not convenient. Love will always cost you time. Love will always cost you effort. Actions. So, the church, to know Jesus, to make him known. Why does the church exist? Well, we exist to reach people, to help people, to pray for people, right? So that people can grow. So that there's a life change in people's lives. Those face-to-face moments when we're worshiping God. When Jesus shows up in that fresh, just like, oh, man. When you're, when you're sitting in a service and just that answer comes that you've wondered what to do. And it's nothing that the pastor said. It's just right then that the Holy Spirit here in an atmosphere where God is speaking. It's important, isn't it? Actions. We choose to be happy. We choose to be enthusiastic. We choose to be excited in life. And like I said, I understand. There are times life happens. And I, I've readily admitted that, that, you know, some things have happened in my life and I haven't been as excited about some things as I should have been. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stay that way. Because I get to choose how I live. And I get to choose my attitude. I can't choose anybody else's attitude. And we have to be careful. You know, sometimes the clerk or somebody, maybe they're having a bad day and don't let it ruin your day, right? We praise God. I can't say this person's name very well. It's uh, Jean LaFontaine. I'm sure that's not even close. But it says, man is made so that whenever anything fires his soul, impossibilities vanish. You choose what you enjoy you choose whether you enjoy doing a thing or not. Let me say it that way. So we think different. We act different. We talk different. So that means we're going to perform differently. Perform beyond the minimum. Now this is hooked up really with how we act. But we give our best. We give our best. Let me ask you this. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. There's a big difference between a chef and a cook. Big difference. You know, you read some recipes and, and you, know, you think, okay, uh, I'll have a grilled cheese sandwich. Okay, well, that's, that's bread and Velveeta and bread. And if you can put a little butter in there if you want, you know. And you, you go somewhere and they, they, you know, there's a place in Fort Collins and it's, they specialize. That's, it's a restaurant. And they do tomato soup. And grilled cheese. 
But man, it's, you know, it's all these cheeses and all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, I think, well, I didn't even think about putting seven different cheeses on one grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, that seems a little excessive. That's why they can charge $10 for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a big difference, though, between Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell. <laughs> right? That's why people will pay $10, $11 for that chicken sandwich and, a, you know, the waffle fries and the drink because they say, may I refresh your beverage? I've never had them ask me that at Taco Bell. <laughs> Not once. They're like, you want a receipt? Sure, why not? <laughs> There's a big difference. How do we perform? There was something about Daniel that no matter how much life pressed him down, he worked his way back up. Every time he got pressed down, he worked his way back up. And if you and I don't watch it, life will press us down and we just stay down. But we choose. We go, no, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. With God on my side, all things are possible. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to get up again. I'm going to put on a big band-aid. And I'm going to keep going. That's what Daniel did. Big difference between a chef and a cook. Booker T. Washington said, Excellence is to do a common thing in an uncommon way. We're talking about excellence. Have you ever heard the name Stradivarius? Y'all don't know it, but I've got one at home. Well, it says Stradivarius. They tell me it's a knockoff. If it was a real one, I'd go ahead and sell it for the $15 million it would be worth. And we would take some big steps as a church. Anyway, Stradivarius, that name, it's synonymous with fine violins. I mean, it was the best of the best. That's why so many knockoffs were made, because people wanted to imitate that. And, and it wasn't all... Uh, from what I've read and studied and we've talked to people and different things, it wasn't all that they were trying to be fraudulent upon people. It was like an, an, uh, uh, it was a, a complimentary thing that, look, Stradivarius, and, you know, we know we're not that, but, like, this is the best of the best. Antonius Stradivarius insisted that no instrument be constructed in a shop and be sold until it was as near perfection as human care and skill can make it. He said this, God needs violins to send his music into the world, and if any violins are defective, God's music will be spoiled. His philosophy was summed up with this one sentence, other men will make other violins, but no man will make a better one. He made approximately 1,200 violins. About 500 still exist. They say in, uh, one just sold here recently, but uh, for 15 million. And this one a few years ago that was considered the second best in known existence at that time several years ago sold for 15.4 million. And they've tried to figure out: is it the varnish? Is it the wood? Is it what is it that makes it sound so sweet? I believe the passion he had behind it, evidently those violins are anointed. 
They must be. I don't know what else it could be. Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellent then, excellence then is not an act, but a habit. What if everyone, we've asked this. Let's just stop here for a minute. I said before we started this, and, and listen, I, I planned this message four weeks ago. When we started this series, this message, I had it mostly done. So, what if summer's over? You know, I'll be honest with you. Let's just get off. I'm going to talk a little bit more here in a few minutes. But, you know, uh, it's easy just to fall into a routine and let some things slip. And it's my responsibility, to a large degree, to make sure in the church that does not happen. And I apologize to you today that I've let that happen. I don't want to become the Taco Bell of churches. <laughs> Do you get that? Does that make sense? I don't want to be that. And I don't believe we've slid quite that far. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, uh, COVID and a lot of things, and then this time passes, and things happen, and things happen and time passes and just gradually I've let I've tolerated some things that I should not have tolerated I'll put it that way so I ask your forgiveness for that I I, uh, I take responsibility I take ownership praise the Lord is that okay so what if what if everyone in your family was as passionate about loving one another and serving one another as you are in your family? What if everyone at your business was as passionate about your business, passionate about customer service and about making sure things were done right, you know, and the trash is dumped and things are clean and everything's ready to receive your customers? What if everyone was as passionate as you? You know, usually the owners of a business, they're, they're paying the employees... And they want them to be passionate about their paycheck enough that they will take some ownership of the company, so to speak, and be passionate about what they're doing, right? That's why they pay us. What if everyone in our family, what if everyone in our company, what if everyone in this church was as passionate as you are? It was not my job to be passionate in the church. That's your job, Pastor. It's all of us. We're family. Is that right? You say, well, if the church was any good, I would be passionate about it. Well, you pray for me. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you can't be passionate about the church, then be passionate about Jesus. And I think he'll make us passionate about his church. Because it's his church. Are you with me? What if everyone, and I've asked my, I've looked myself in the mirror and said, all right, as a pastor, you know, I understand. Um, I do love Jesus and I am passionate about him. Sometimes maybe I haven't been as vocal or portrayed that as much as I should have. 
And that's why I've tried to be transparent and say, you know what? Um, I'm going to get back. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. Like Paul said, he said, uh, pray for. Uh, if Paul wasn't afraid to ask for people to pray for him, I can't be afraid to ask for people to pray for me. All right? What if everyone was as passionate about our performance? So let's uh, just, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it now, and we'll just say it real quickly. Uh, we're going to get back to doing things like we used to do, you know. Now it's just, oh, well, you know, the, we, we don't even really have our ushers organized or anything in our greeters. And thank God for all of you that have hung in and you've done, you know, and you've tried. But gradually we've slipped and we're not doing anything like we used to do. And we're going to go back to that. And so in the next few days, the next two, three weeks, you expect me to ask you, you know, I, we've done the sign up. Oh, everybody wants to be an usher, sign up. And each week I get, oh, please be an usher and sign up. And you get two people. I'm like, no, I'm going to ask you. This is what I need. This is what I want you to do. Will you help me? Say, oh, pastor. No, that's what we're going to do. And I want us to be passionate about Jesus enough. I'm not asking for a lifetime commitment, but I am asking, let's get back to being passionate about Jesus. Let's get back to showing up early, coming in and singing. Let's get back to being excited about Jesus. I know, it's been pretty quiet these four weeks we've talked about passion. Because I think you're like me and you're examining yourself and going, yeah, I can do a little more passion. I, I can bring it up a notch. I believe that's what we need to do. Andrew Carnegie said, the average person puts only 25% of his energy and ability into his work. The world takes off its hat to those who put in more than 50% of their capacity, stands on its head to those few and far between souls who devote 100%. So sometimes there comes a reality check. And you all have all read the deal, why customers quit. You know, at 68%, it's because of indifference of an, atti an attitude of an employee. Not maybe, you know, and, and you're, if you're the boss, well, you've... You know, you've seen that sometimes that one of your employees doesn't do good and that customer's hurt or they're offended or they don't come back or whatever. Sometimes there's that reality check. And that's what I've been working on in my life for the last four weeks. And I believe that God is working on in all of our lives. We've allowed some things that we should not allow. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your child training. Maybe it's in your relationship with Jesus. Time for a change. Understand this. The world needs you. It needs you to be passionate and live your passion on purpose. We're almost done. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. John McEwen. I've got another picture here. I've, this is an interesting gentleman. And most Americans wouldn't know anything about this particular man. But he was prime minister of Australia for only 23 days. But it was in the 1960s. He was orphaned at the age of seven. He was raised by his grandmother. And I really, I, when Cindy and I were looking for a picture and talking about this, I said, really, we should have a picture of his grandmother instead of the man. Because his grandmother put this in this young man when he was just a child. She said this, this advice. If you go into the church, become the archbishop. 
If you go into the army, become a general. If you go into politics, become prime minister. And he did, even if it was only for three weeks. So let me encourage you. Be passionate. Don't give up on your dream, whatever it is. Colossians 3.23, I mentioned it earlier. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. Jesus endured the immediate for the sake of the future. Jesus lived with an eternal perspective. He could have said it was too big a price. It's too hard. It's too much. But he didn't. He said it's worth it. It's worth the effort. When we, when we lose sight of eternity, when it's just, and I understand that, you know, when we lose sight and it's just, sometimes we're just working to pay the bills or we're just working, you know, and things are just, and, and we have to do that. I understand but don't lose sight of what's most important. 50 years from now or 100 years from now, what's going to matter the most? Now, don't, don't just go, oh, good, pastor just gave me, he gave me permission, I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to sit at home and I'm just going to pray. And I'm, just, I'm not telling you to do that at all. Y'all are smarter than that. What matters? Is Jesus our number one passion? Remember when you first got saved? Remember how excited we were? Remember when you first got in the Word of God and it was just, it was just so, wow, that's just, that's so powerful and that's so good and I don't understand that part at all, but you know, this next part, that's pretty good too, you know, right? Remember that passion you had? It was like, you just had something, you're like, I'm going to tell all my friends. Man, that habit I had, it's just gone. Remember how excited we were? Well, yeah, Pastor, but you know, that was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. The same. This is, you understand this, you're married. Remember how excited you were to have a date and you clean up and smell pretty and get on time and plan and go to the movie and all that? And now it's like, <laughs> you know, you, you want a taco or you don't want a taco? It's Taco Tuesday. Sure, great, whatever. Come on, don't lose your passion. Put your heart in all you do. And that's what I'm asking for here. The biggest enemy of great is good enough. George Eliot said, it's never too late to be what you might have been. It's not too late. Say, it's not too late. Not too late. All right. Let's close with this right here. Mother Teresa said, a day lived without doing something good for others is a day not worth living. We must. I understand, you know, much of our time it's devoted to work. Much of our time it's devoted to training our children. Much of our time it's devoted to just normal things. But do not lose sight of being a blessing. 
do not lose sight of our eternal purpose. Do not lose sight of the passion that we started out with in serving Jesus. Stir that passion again. Hallelujah. I believe, I believe eternity will be blessed by it. Because you'll plant seeds in people's lives and impact people. And you'll be blessed by it even right now. If you've been passionless, or maybe you've been half-passion, you know, we used to sing the old song, Lord, I Surrender All. Remember that old, that old hymn a long time ago? How many people sing it? Lord, I surrender 10%. <laughs> Lord, I surrender half. No, we give her all. Jesus gave his all. We must be passionate about the things of God. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. All right. I believe you are. I believe, I believe we could stand up today and say, it's a new day. It's a new day. Don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Get into God's Word. Pray. If you haven't been praying, spend, spend five minutes a day praying. Just five minutes. And then just see where that goes. Find, you know, and Cindy and I do this. We've got a, a devotional that we go through together, and it happens to be a marriage devotional. Not that we're having any problems, but, you know, that's just a good thing to do. It takes seven or eight minutes to read it together every morning. And then, you know, we have a, a little video deal that's different every day, a devotional, different things, different topics. We do that every day. We pray together. Not a long time. We pray together every morning. Just begin to take some, some, just some little steps even. That's why I, I say well, a lot can be accomplished with just a little more passion. And here's what will happen. <clears throat> As you stir, you know, that, that campfire, that's why they say, you know, douse it and douse it and all that and make sure and spread it around to where there's no... But as you stir that little bit of campfire, that one little ember that's still down in there burning, or maybe you've still got a pretty good fire going, but as you stir that and you put another piece of wood on, that fire's going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger, and you put a little more on, and that's what I'm talking about. If we'll begin to think with God and talk like He does and perform, just go, you know what, I'm going to ratchet it up just a little bit. Well, then... That's going to stir some passion in you, and then there's going to be more passion and more and more and more. And in me too, I have to do the same thing. It's not automatic just because you're a pastor. Maybe you're watching today, or maybe you're here today, and you say, Pastor Dan, I, I don't have passion for Jesus. I really don't. And maybe you're like the prodigal son at one time, you were passionate about some things. You're passionate about God. You love Jesus with all your heart. But maybe life has worn you down or who knows what's happened. For whatever reason, maybe you've walked away some. Know this, Jesus never walks away from us. It's always us that distance ourselves. <clears throat> or maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Right now, today, I want you to know how passionate Jesus loves you he's an individual God he cares about every person he came so you not just so humanity not so the masses yes 
but so you can have a close relationship. So in the, the storms of life, you know I'm not alone. Talking with a, a friend of ours and going through some things and they just said, sometimes, you know, it's so lonely. And we talked about knowing that Jesus is always there. Always there. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I, I implore you, don't put it off. Right now, today, pray. And, and maybe it's just a lack of passion, and I'm going to pray for that. But make Jesus Lord. We look out in the world, and I'm not predicting a, a date when Jesus is going to return, but if you've ever read the book of Revelation... You know, one time, years ago, we did like 13 weeks on the book of Revelation, and I've been so tempted to do that again because, man, are we ever living in it today more than ever. But one day, Jesus will return, or one day you will die before Jesus returns. That's a given. Make Jesus the Lord of your life the main passion of your life, the reason you jump out of bed every day. Pray with me. It's just something like this. It doesn't have to be exactly this, but just out of your heart, pray something. We all believe in what you're going to do. So pray this out loud, everyone here together. Say, God in heaven, in Jesus' name, I come before you. I believe with all my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And that Jesus is alive. And Jesus is Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. I will serve you. And I will passionately serve you all the days of my life. Fill me today, right now, with your Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit today and every day. Lord Jesus, I'm yours and you are my Lord. Use me. Use my life for your glory. I will serve you. I will serve you passionately. Amen. Amen. Now just, just between you and God, just say, yep, I meant it, Lord. I, I didn't just repeat those words. I meant it. I'm in it. Oh, maybe I've prayed it a hundred times, but today it's different. It's different. Lord, set me on fire. Lord, use me. Lord, I know there's more. All I want to be is what you've made me to be. I don't want to be somebody else. I just want to be everything you've made me to be. Those hopes and dreams and desires. Those, those giftings, those passions you placed within me. That's what I want to be. That's what I want. And Lord, I pray for us as a church. I pray for each one of these people. Their marriage would be, would be a passion for one another. Lord, a passion for their children to train them. A passion to love you. A passion to follow you. Thank you, Lord God. A passion to reach out, to make a difference in their neighborhood 
in Jesus' name.